Harp with Harpland and Timber in Linden, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, wheat harvest is just about wrapped up here in Texas. And it has been a terrible year for growing wheat, but the wheat that did survive to harvest is yielding some surprising results. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Things have been a bit rough from time to time this season, but the outlook for Texas High Plains cotton is encouraging. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Row crop farmers get updated on technology at a field day, while their own crops continue progressing towards harvest. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from Southeast Texas on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wheat harvest is about done here in Texas, wrapping up what was a very challenging year. Around 70% of our wheat crop was abandoned this year, but Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson says the wheat that was harvested was pretty good. Uh, Carrie, the harvest in Texas, I think, was actually a little bit better than people expected it to be. There were some fields that uh, had some really serious hessian fly problems where the yields were down. A few fields that were late to vernalize and those yields were off. But overall, I think, you know, the vernalization and the hessian fly issues, we had somewhere between 40 and 70 bushel wheat, uh, certain varieties. We heard some yields upwards of 90 bushels. So there was some really high, high yielding wheat. If uh, you got vernalized and you had decent hessian fly tolerance, some of those yields were outstanding uh, in the panhandle. Uh, of course, there wasn't much dry land wheat out in that area, but the irrigated wheat, I think the yields are coming in quite good in that area. Fenderson says the Hessian fly problems seem to be getting worse each year, and we could use a really cold winter to cut down on that fly population. The Texas Farm Service Agency is now accepting nominations of farmers and ranchers to serve on local county committees. County committee members help make important decisions on how federal farm programs are administered locally. Agricultural producers may be nominated for a county committee if they participate or cooperate in a USDA program and reside in the local administrative area that is up for election this year. A cooperating producer is someone who has provided information about their farming or ranching operation to FSA, even if they have not applied or received program benefits. Nomination forms for 2023 county committee elections must be postmarked or turned into an FSA office by August 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. 
44 Farms, an Angus seed stock operation based in Cameron, Texas, received the Beef Improvement Federation Seed Stock Producer of the Year Award last week. The award was developed in 1972 and recognizes outstanding seed stock producers pursuing excellence and continuous improvement in cattle breeding. 44 Farms collaborates with over 1,100 ranchers from 26 states, supplying cattle to deliver beef to approximately 565 Walmart stores across the southeast. The company also has a successful retail arm, supplying choice and prime beef direct to consumers and in top restaurants across the country. 44 Farms was nominated by the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. This has already been a challenging year for growing cotton on the Texas High Plains. But James Hunt tells us the outlook is encouraging. We all know that due to drought conditions, last year was a disaster for cotton in our region. But this year, things are looking promising enough around the area that Mark Brown with Plains Cotton Growers says 2023 has the potential to be a pretty good bounce back year. Our service area last year only produced 1.525 million bales, and typically our production is somewhere in the range of 3.7 million on average. And so we do think that we've got standing acres today that could allow us to get an average production on the high plains. Brown says it's even possible that as much as 5 million bales could be produced this season within Plains Cotton Growers' 42-acre service area. That's very impressive, perhaps you could even say surprising, especially given what's happened in the northern high plains, where a lot of what would have been cotton acres were lost due to various factors, including hail and heavy rains. But Brown says what's making things look better for the high plains as a whole is the cotton planted south of I-40. With all of the dry land production in the southern high plains, we feel like that if Mother Nature's kind to us, if we get some rainfall, Continuing in July and in August, and if we have a decent fall, we could more than make up for the lost production in the northern high plains. And along with hoping for more precipitation, Brown says something else cotton farmers need is more heat units. We've had some very hot days here lately around the region, but for much of the growing season so far, our temperatures have been on the abnormally cool side. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest technology for corn, sorghum, and cotton was on display recently in southeast Texas. Tom Nicoletti was there. I'm in Fort Bend County with Ernest Mickle. He is a farmer in Fort Bend County and also in Brazoria County, where he attended a field day. Ernest, the technology that you saw here at this DeKalb Asgrove Delta Pine field day certainly uh, is impressive. What did you learn uh, while you were here at the field day? Mostly some of the things we already have going on for us. There's nematodes. They're kind of showing us ways to control those, and I have a real bad problem with those this year. They're really hitting us hard as far as the insect control in the corn. And, and I guess the milo, too, they're to some degree of sugarcane aphid tolerance. Cotton with the Thrive On, early season insects. Are, they've learned how to control those, save us some spray in there. So how do your personal crops look at this point? Our corn and milo is 
probably some of the best we've ever had. Had lots of almost too much early season rain, but they look jam up really good. Our cotton, the cool weather, and the, all the water really had it stunted back for a long time. But the last week or so, it's really starting to turn around and look a lot better. Now it's not great, but it's starting to look a whole lot better. The weakest crop of the bunch. Certainly, even year-to-year challenges that you and other farmers face, you would uh, certainly have 2023 as uh, the year that you want to grow your crops compared to 2022. Yeah, we've got some water this year, but we had a little bit too much water early. We had four inches of rain with hail in it right at our barn, and that's not good for anything. You didn't have any crops hailed out, did you? No, it was hail, but we didn't see any bad damage or anything. It never helps. It puts holes in the leaves, but didn't see anything really tore up from it. Now here at the field day, it looks like those corn stalks were, uh, my gosh, eight to nine feet tall. How tall are they out at your farm? Yeah, at least that. It's great. Can't hardly get much better than that if nothing happens to it now. It should be a really good harvest. That is Ernest Mickle. He is a grains and cotton farmer in Fort Bend and Brazoria counties. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 95th Annual Texas FFA Convention gets underway this week in Dallas. And to talk more about that, we're visiting with the first vice president of the Texas FFA, Bryce Fisher. Well, Bryce, let's kick things off with you telling us a little more about yourself and where you're from. Yes, sir. So my name is Bryce Fisher, and this year I've had the absolute blessing to serve as the Texas FFA first vice president. And I'm originally from Florence, which if you don't know where that is, a small town like 30 minutes north of Austin. Well, Bryce, the FFA convention getting underway tomorrow in Dallas. Tell us what you and your team have in store for Texas FFA members this week. Well, I'm obviously super excited. We get the chance to welcome over 15,000 FFA members to Dallas to the convention center for our state convention. This is the 95th annual Texas FFA convention. So we've been going on strong for about 95 years now. And it's super exciting because convention is that place where everyone can come together. Whether or not you live at the very tip top of Texas in the panhandle, you live at very, very south Texas, or if you're from Houston or a small town in the middle of nowhere, everyone gets to come together, deeply connected and rooted by our love for agriculture and ag education. So I'm super excited. We've got some great things lined up. We've got speaking contests happening, general sessions where we'll get to hear from sponsors, recognize members' success, and even hear the retiring addresses of my teammates and myself. So we've got a lot of great things planned. It's going to be action-packed and fun, but we're ready. And it looks like you have a great speaker lineup as well. Yes. So actually in the session that I'll be chairing, the third general session, we'll be welcoming Temple Grandin, which for any of the listeners that don't know who Temple Grandin is, she's a pioneer in the agriculture industry, paved a way for women in agriculture and really helped us understand how to effectively and work cattle and work all types of livestock. So she'll be coming. Dan Olalabi is our keynote speaker for the last day of convention. He's incredible. And we're super excited to hear his message. And then our very own Ryan Williamson, who was a Texas state officer just a few years ago, recently got elected to the national FFA officer position, and he gets to come back and give his keynote. So we are super excited. Those are some big names, like you mentioned, and I'm excited to see the messages that they bring and how our members take their messages and go out and apply it in their communities. Well, Bryce, I know I remember my very first FFA convention when I was a freshman in high school, and I know you remember yours too. So what advice would you give an FFA member who's attending this convention for the first time? So this is kind of something that I talk about in my retiring address, but my very first convention, I watched my older brother walk the stage as a state champion in agri-science fair. So I, very early on, first convention was wonderstruck by what was happening. According to our production team, Almost two-thirds of the people attending convention, it will be their first time attending a convention. And we're super excited to welcome them. I think if I could tell them anything, it's just to jump all in. 
fully take advantage of the entire experience. Go to the convention, talk to members from across the state, actually listen to the messages being given and really soak it up and understand what's happening because state convention only happens one week out of every year and it's a very special week for all of us. So soaking it up, really taking everything in is what I would encourage them to do. Bryce, thank you so much for your time and I wish you the best for a great convention this week. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. If you see any FFA members on the street in Dallas, make sure to tell them I. That's Bryce Fisher, first vice president of the Texas FFA. To introduce more Texans to the great outdoors, conservation, and hunting, the Texas Youth Hunting Program has opened its books for new hunts in 2023-2024. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the summer heat can have a big effect on cattle. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Triple digit temperatures are back here in Texas this week, and that summer heat can have a big effect on cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says both daytime and nighttime temperatures can put some serious stress on cattle. Kansas State Research and Extension Beef Veterinarian Dr. A.J. Tarpoff indicates at Drovers.com that temperature, humidity, wind speed, and solar radiation can all affect cattle. And not only do producers need to be concerned with daytime temperatures, but nighttime temperatures as well. Dr. Tarpoff indicated the cows need about six hours of nighttime cooling to dissipate the heat load they accumulated during the day to prevent heat stress. It is advisable to do any cattle work, like processing or handling, prior to 10 a.m. on hot days and feed later in the evenings. Cattle can actually increase their heat load from just digestion for the next four to six hours after feeding. Also, reducing the number of cattle you have in a certain space will allow for better air circulation and easier access to water. Pasturing your cattle in the area with the best wind speed, but also trees, would be a good idea. Pasturing in a valley that is closed off from the wind is not helpful with heat stress. Also, providing good bedding under the shady areas is helpful to allow these cows to rest comfortably and stay out of the heat. In some cases, you can use water misters for cattle in the pens late morning and early in the evening only. Wetting the cattle during the day actually increases humidity, along with the heat, which is increasing the problem. If you're in a hot and humid area like most of Texas, selecting breeds which are heat tolerant is a good idea, as these cattle have improved efficiency and also improved reproduction compared to heat intolerant breeds. Cattle with some Brahmin influence do much better in the heat than straight English breeds. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Youth Hunting Program is booking hunts for 2023 and 2024. Jessica Domel has more on the program in today's Wildlife Report. Texas youth who are interested in learning how to hunt can now sign up for a safe, 
and educational introductory hunt through the Texas Youth Hunting Program. TYHP launched its 2023-2024 Youth Hunt calendar earlier this month. The program is a joint effort by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Wildlife Association to provide memorable experiences that expose youth to nature, conservation, and responsible and safe hunting. Chris Mitchell, TYHP director, says youth can apply for hunts now on the TYHP website. The prerequisite is they have to have completed hunter education. They do come with a parent. Our most often used hunt model is a three-day model where they arrive on Friday. They register. It takes little to no time. They get set up in their lodging, whether that's setting up a tent or using facilities on the ranch where we're hunting. They will conduct a range to make sure that their equipment that they're using is ready to go, whether that's archery equipment, rifle equipment, shotguns, whatever it is. And then there'll be a safety briefing that night. Then on Saturday morning would be the first hunt. After the first hunt, there'll be breakfast followed by education and then another hunt that evening and then another meal after the second hunt. And then they go to bed after a fireside event on Saturday night and have one more hunt on Sunday and then everyone is back on the road to their homes about noon on Sunday. Youth ages 9 to 17 can apply for hunts now at tyhp.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time once again to check those markets. Cattle and corn both moved higher on Monday, while cotton and wheat were lower. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw mostly higher trade in the cattle market to kick off the trading week Monday, and that's how we closed it out. August live cattle up 20 cents, 177.20. The October up 57, 179.95. December live cattle up 57 at 183.75. Same thing on the feeder cattle. August feeders up 82 cents, 246.25. September up 87, 249.47, with October feeder cattle up a dollar, 251.22. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. No sales, no bids, no asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices mixed. Monday choice was down 236 at 314.54. Select up 83 cents, 286.46. Now let's check those feeder cattle auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Klein Spear, Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde, had a cattle sale on Thursday. Klein, how was it? Yes, sir. Kind of short, kind of planned on it coming up to the fourth, and then a lot of guys got a little rain around. Sure, nice to see, but uh, overall, kind of limited supply, but the uh, pack of cow bull market is steady, and that Kevin's and Yardless sold pretty steady across the board there. Those twist steers, $1.80 to $2.25. Those lightweights, about $2.10 to $2.65. Choice heifers, 
dollar sixty to two fifteen. Those lightweights dollar eighty to two forty five. Crossbred steers dollar fifty five to two fifteen. Those lightweights dollar eighty to two fifty. Crossbred heifers dollar forty five to dollar ninety. Those lightweights dollar sixty to two forty five. Stalker cows ninety to dollar twenty. Breaker bulls dollar two to dollar twenty one. Those breaker cows eighty eight to one hundred six. Those cutters and canners were sixty seven up to eighty two. Those shelly cows thirty five to fifty five. Pairs day to seven fifty to thirteen hundred on them. And uh, healthy bred cows thousand to thirteen hundred. So still lots of guys looking for a few and. Uh, you guys looking for a few cows to take back to the country too well what do you think is coming next week we'll do sheep and goats on uh, on tuesday and cattle on thursday i think on tuesday we'll kind of have around that seven eight hundred head range kind of catching up from this week and cattle deal i think it'll probably stay around that 300 350 range like we've been seeing as long as it stays hot and everybody's just kind of get what they can work good did you get all your wheat out of the field yes sir on the corn now and uh kind of getting a little green grass here and there for some cattle so everything's looking all right how's corn yielding it's pretty good so far everything we've seen has been irrigated so uh, pretty pretty pleased with what we're seeing so far, just kind of getting started. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Klein. Call us the office, 830-278-5621, or myself on 830-591-3241. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Maybe that's it for Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. That's Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde. Sheep and goats Tuesday, cattle Thursday. You're listening to me right now on Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished lower Monday. Nearby July hogs down 20 cents at 98.80. July Class 3 milk was up 2 cents, 13.92 a hundredweight. The cotton market took a drop on Monday. Long-term apparel demand seems to be weakening. That pressured the market. Also traders positioning ahead of Wednesday's USDA supply and demand report. October cotton down 136 points, 79.95. December down 192 points at 79.25. Corn market was higher. July corn up 10 and a quarter, 570 and three quarters. September corn up five at 492 and a quarter. Wheat market lower on both hard and soft wheat and a mostly quiet trade Monday. September Kansas City wheat down seven, eight, eleven and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down three and a quarter, six forty-six and a quarter. In the energy markets, August natural gas was up eight cents at two sixty-six. August West Texas crude down sixty-nine, seventy-three, seventeen a barrel. The financial markets mostly higher Monday afternoon. The Dow was up 181 points, 33,916. The Nasdaq up four at 13,664. The S&P up three at 4,402. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.